I think for sure there's like there's a whole social drama going on here uh-huh. uh, between Sarah and uh, the sort of the, the progressive revelation of of God's presence. This is chapter, verse, and season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us each week as Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. I'm your host, Natalie Owens-Pike, MDiv Class of 2023 here at Yale Divinity School. And in this episode, we have Joel Baden, Professor of Hebrew Bible and Director of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School, and Sarah Drummond, Founding Dean of Andover Newton Seminary at Yale Divinity School. They're discussing Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15, which is appointed for the third Sunday after Pentecost in year A. Let's take a listen. Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread so that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife Sarah? And he said, There, in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I be fruitful? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Yes, you did laugh. One of the first things that I notice in this text, Joel, is the way in which God appears as a group, and is greeted with hospitality. I notice how we don't really know whether Abraham knows that these guests are 
God, or if he just knows that they're esteemed in some way and really rushes to outdo himself when it comes to hospitality. Is that a significant dimension of this text from your understanding of it? It's like the whole dimension of this text from my understanding. Not just not just this text, but this text in conversation with the, the next chapter, which is obviously not part of this, this lectionary reading, but the next chapter is Sodom and Gomorrah, which in which Lot behaves in precisely the same way and hospitality becomes really the central theme of that story. But this is, Abraham gets the, the first crack at it, as, as it were, right? When these, when these angelic divine figures appear. And I think for sure, it's important that he has no idea who they are. Uh, I think that's the, that's the point. This is really very different. I'm sure it's quite deeply related, in fact, to the, to, to, you know, the idea of like, you know, you, you want to be kind to like the homeless person on the street because what if that's Elijah, Right, which is, mm-hmm. you know, sort of at least a Jewish way of of, of thinking about the thing. Mm-hmm. Same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Who are these men? It doesn't say. It just says, you know, uh, he saw three men. It doesn't say they're high class. doesn't say they're low status. doesn't say they're, they're certainly not divine beings. But he bows down. He calls them my lords. He calls himself your servant, your slave. He wants to feed them. It's, I mean, you're right. Falling all, uh, literally falling over himself to take care of them, which is like the, you know, the universal principle of that region from then till now really is this, this principle of hospitality. And that idea of him stumbling all over himself to be as hospitable as he can, irrespective of the station of the people who he's greeting, does that have something to do then with why Sarah is embarrassed for having laughed. Was her laughing in this passage later on when she eavesdrops and hears that a son has been prophesied? Would that have been considered rude to laugh at the words of a visitor? Or was it rude to eavesdrop? Or is it rude to question God? Because I love that Sarah laughs there. And I've gotten a lot of mileage having the same name of Sarah laughed in my just in my own life journey where i'm constantly surprised by things happening that i don't feel like are possible and i'm just curious why she's embarrassed or denies it there's a, a really interesting progression here both of sarah's reactions and who she and abraham know these people are because i think that when sarah is eavesdropping at the beginning they, she, they just think they're they're men right they don't know anything anything better than that and then there comes a point where where the one of them is like i'm going to come back to you and you're going to have a child and it's like wait mm, that's not like a normal person wouldn't say that surely mm-hmm. uh, and sarah's and so now sarah's like laughs to herself mm-hmm. right, it says mm-hmm. and then god says like why did she laugh? Is anything too wondrous for the Lord? I'm going to come back. And it's like, oh, now we know who you are. Uh-huh. And then Sarah's like, I didn't laugh. Like once she knows. Yes. But so there's this, I, I don't know. We both have kids. Like mm-hmm. I, I I totally understand the phenomenon. I recognize the phenomenon of like, it's, it's one line until you realize you've been caught out. Mm-hmm. And then it's like denial is the, is the next, is the next potential avenue of regret. Yes. But so- I don't know that there's anything cultural about like you shouldn't have been listening. I think for sure there's like there's a whole social drama going on here uh-huh. uh, between Sarah and uh, the sort of the, the progressive revelation of of God's presence. Mm-hmm. Did your kids read the book? I can't remember which author it was, but it's a children's book where the culprit is not me. You, there's a children's yes. book where uh, where who knocked over the vase? Not me. 
who's not me? So it's almost as though she's being not me here. That couldn't have been me, but that couldn't have been me. And the, uh, the culture that she's living in to me just feel so endearing and so totally relatable. That idea that something you're saying something that's impossible in ways that are, are just defined, just defined that the idea of a, a, elderly woman giving birth to a child is the sort of thing that you should laugh at because it's so beyond possibility. I wonder, as you think about the way this story unfolds from here, do you think that Sarah is changed by it? Sarah, I I find Sarah to be one of the weirder, more complex characters because she she swings from vulnerable to really, un- I mean, unpleasant and aggressive and violent. And, and she's all over the place. She's frightened here. She clearly is not frightened in other places. I, she's, there's, there's not a lot of stability to her character for me, unlike uh, others. I mean, I think, you know, Rebecca is incredibly smart and, you know, and, and clever. And, but, but Sarah, does this, does this do anything for her? Does it change anything for her? You know, if anything, you could, th- you could look at the story and think when she gets away with this, she's like, oh, I can do anything now. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking. I'm thinking ahead a little bit to you know the the chapters that come with the with the birth of of Isaac and the rev- rivalry of Isaac and Ishmael and the way that she treats uh, you know Hagar and but this is her enunciation moment. Mm. Mm. And uh, and even if it's done in a you know she was listening and she wasn't meant to you know it wasn't meant to happen this way really. This is the enunciations. I don't know. I think typically endow the enunciatee with a certain. I don't know. In the pictures, they always end up with like a little halo. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, there's, there's, yes. A, there's a certain glow. Yes, <laughs> that yes. Comes. In a way, I think that I I needed you to say that because the way in which this part of the narrative ends with an accusation, oh, you did laugh. Yes, you did. Removes more of the glow than I want it to. I can't believe how consistent stories about joy, laughter, and fertility sound today as compared with any other of the human experiences. Because for a person, for me as a woman and a mother reading a passage like this now, that idea that this woman felt very rejected by her lack of fertility and didn't feel like she had joy because of her lack of fertility and then coming into joy and laughing at just the sheer unbelievability of it, I find very contemporary. Mm-hmm. I really think that the kind of joy that a person can experience at becoming a parent is one that doesn't feel real. Like it's going to make you laugh because you can't believe it's possible. I I wonder how much the reading of this story has been colored historically in, you know, the the over-interpretation by, I don't know, like the men doing... But men, men doing, men doing the reading of it. Because yes. I also think men did the writing of it. But, but particularly of men doing the reading of this and reading it and being like feeling like Sarah did something wrong, right? I think that, and I, I think I heard it from from you here. I think there's a way of reading the story that it, even if it ends with God being like, you you left, doesn't have to end with like, and and the then the male god shamed the female human yes right and everyone learned their lesson right it could very <laughs> it could it could i mean this you could read this as and it's i mean it is joyful right the, it, the thing is happening here the elderly couple is getting the child that they've longed for and she as you said is, is, laughs out of 
I can't believe, not out of, it comes out in all the interpretation is last out of doubt, right? She, she laughed because she, because she was, she didn't believe that God could possibly do it. She laughed because it's unbelievable. Yes. In the, and she in the dared, good way. And she dared not hope for it. So of course it's going to see, seem laughable because to even have hoped would have been foolishness. So I, it, I'm sure that a male interpretation would really try to compare her with Abraham. I mean, Abraham, Mr. Perfect here, these guests show up and he just really practically breaks his neck trying to be hospitable to them. Good, Abraham. Like, he did a good job. Sarah, she doubted when something ridiculously unbelievable is said. Bad, Sarah. But I actually find like maybe Sarah is really internally inconsistent. She, it sounds like a woman to me where she is understandably cynical about good things possibly happening to her. And the story, you have to do a lot of work to read into this story, things like God being upset because, you know, God, she, she laughs to herself and is like, seriously, like this can't really be happening. And God says to Abraham, why, why did she laugh? You think I can't do this? Seriously, I'm going to come back next year. You're going to have a kid. If you read it in that tone of voice, it's not God being like, why? How dare she laughed? That's it. I'm going to show her by what? Giving her the child that she hoped for? Like the, the story ends happily. She gets the kid. There's no, there's no moment where God's like, because you laughed, therefore. Right? As she's just, you know, she's, she's, she's a little embarrassed at the end. She's like, you know, but if you, if you read it not as like, Sarah said, I didn't laugh because she, because she was frightened, but God said, you absolutely, I know that you laughed right? in this like deep, terrible way. If, if it were like, Sarah's like, I didn't laugh. And God's like, no, no, no you laughed. Like I, I was there, you laughed. But it's, it's not a, wait, why couldn't we read it that way? Thank you for listening. And thank you to our professors for your insights on this scripture. The transcript of this audio and lots more Bible study resources are available at YaleBibleStudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School and is produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aidan Stoddart, executive producer Helena Martin, and me, your host, Natalie Owens-Pike. Mixing on today's episode and our theme music are by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from chapter, verse, and season.